We're live. Hey, everybody. I hope you're all are having a good night tonight. Things are great here in the Lou. Uh, welcome to the Pristine Grace podcast. This is episode number 22, and I'm your host, Brandon Kraft. And we are now broadcasting live from good old St. Louis to the internet. We are broadcasting live to Facebook and to Sermon Audio. Today is Thursday, February 6, 2020, and the time is now 6.30 p.m. Central. So let's go ahead and get right into it. And I was mentioning in the, uh, in the Facebook chat here earlier before the message got started that uh, we were going to uh, talk about a few different things tonight. First thing we're going to talk about is quantum physics. <laughs> I, I bet you've never heard that spoken of in the pulpit before, quantum physics. Uh, but like I've said many times, this is a, not a sermon, it's a podcast. So I get to talk about whatever I want. Alright? I don't have any rules or regulations. Well, I've got some, but uh, I, I've got some liberty here. And uh, today we're going to talk about quantum physics, and uh, and I, I just bring that up because quantum physics amaze me, and uh, you may or may not be familiar with what's going on in the quantum physics world, but uh, if you haven't, let me just say, uh, some of the experiments they're doing out there are just amazing. They're blowing my mind out there with some of this stuff, and it's, it's stuff that's been around, I remember reading about this back in the 90s and just being blown away by it. But you know what else the quantum physics experiments do for me besides blow my mind? They, uh, they help to confirm my belief in the sovereign, God, the sovereign God of Scripture. Okay, And that's what science is supposed to do. My brother uh, Drew Dietz, I was texting with him uh, earlier this week or last week, and he, and he said to me, if you read the early scientists and their work, they almost always gave glory to God in their deductions and research. That it's only in the recent uh, 100 plus years or so that we've become so smart that the glory hasn't even gone to God. That uh, scientists won't attribute the uh, their findings to God's glory. And uh, But anyway, and I'd say that's true for the work that I've seen in the realm of quantum physics. That scientists are not giving... God the glory he is due. They're not ascribing to him the worth that he is due. They're not worshiping him. But uh, besides that, though, the, the, work, the recent work that they're doing is just, for me, it's absolutely confirming the existence of God and, may I dare say, his ultimate sovereignty over all things. And that's probably not something you'd expect to hear when, when you research, you know, physics or science. You don't hear about the proving the sovereignty of God or showing the, 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 the sovereignty of God. But let me explain to you. Did you know if you take a little bunch of if you take a bunch of photons or little pieces of matter and, and you shoot them through two slits that it can make one of two different types of patterns. And I'm not gonna get into all of it with you, but you know, and I know this doesn't really sound all that exciting, but let me kind of explain to you. If you don't if you don't actually observe the photons going through the double slits, they will create a particle pattern. 
Okay, just imagine two slits and you're shooting electrons through each slit and uh, even one at a time they're going to create a, a particle pattern. Pattern, But if you don't observe the photons when they're being shot through the slits, it provides a different type of pattern altogether on the uh, on the white paper that that uh, is capturing capturing them. It, it, they they uh, give a uh, wave interference pattern, a wave pattern, and it's like the photons know that they're being observed, and this is what they call in the in the quantum physics world the observation effect, and. And I'm not going to get into this much, but if you go outside at night and you look up into the sky, the light from the stars that have supposedly been speeding toward Earth for billions of years, well, they aren't. According to quantum physics and, and, this, and the studies and the, that they've discovered through these experiments, that, that the, 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 these light particles that hit our eyes, they're not really particles until we actually observe them. Before that, they're just waves of potential particles or probability patterns. Those little particles that, you're high, that hit your eyes at just the right time is really part of a, a, a program. Okay, The Lord has designed everything so perfectly and programmed this world so perfectly. And my mind is blown when I think about the quantum realm. Our Lord, the Master Programmer, is absolutely amazing. And uh, this is true in all aspects of science, in my opinion. Take a look at the complexities of our bodies, of our DNA, you know, of, those, of those viruses that make up the plagues that uh, <laughs> were probably sent on Pharaoh. The little strands of RNA that they are. If you've never studied that, that's going to blow your mind, too. They're more complex than the computers we cobble together with uh, copper and silicone. Okay? <laughs> but, uh, again, with the quantum physics, the... The concept and proof of quantum non-locality, the observation effect and the double slit experiment, the delayed choice quantum eraser, and some other experiments at the quantum realm have me convinced of an idealistic worldview as opposed to a materialist worldview. Of course, we're already convinced from the scriptures, but it's nice to see science back us up. All right. Unfortunately, though, the scientists that are proving this they're, they're, they're not coming to the same conclusion that I am. Okay, they, they're actually coming to the, the, a belief that we're in some sort of computer simulation, like the Matrix. It's kind of silly. <laughs> but uh, that's the only way they can explain that photons react as particles when they're observed, but act as waves when unobserved. They don't understand the God of Scriptures, and certainly not the Gospel of Christ, of his substitutionary death and his imputed righteousness. So they come up with all kinds of speculative theories rather than ascribe the glory to God. They'd rather say we're in a computer simulation than agree that God has absolutely caused all things. And that's a, that's a shame in my opinion. But if you'd like to know more about this scientific work at the quantum level, I'm not going to get into it too much more on, on today. But I just wanted to introduce that to you. And if you'd like to have your faith and confidence potentially strengthened, there's a great little video on YouTube that is pretty good, in my opinion, at explaining some of these quantum physics experiments. It's called the Simulation Hypothesis, and you can find it over on, on YouTube. And after watching it, I, I hope that you're, you're brought to rejoice even more in our Creator, who's causing all things to work perfectly per His design.
So I'm going to post the link in the Facebook chat after the message today. So don't let me forget. All right. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm not going to get into quantum physics anymore today. That I was just going to briefly touch on that. I might get into that again in a later podcast. But I was just saying that this topic does excite me. And to think that particles aren't really objects in the absence of observation, that to me is amazing. It, it goes to show how amazing and advanced this universe is. And I can only imagine what we're going to get in the future when God gives us his new heavens and, and earth. What we're going to have when our bodies are resurrected from the dead. And I am very much looking forward to that. All right. So that was it for my pre-message part of our podcast. Let's get into the, the main part. We're going to spend some time here today. The, uh, we've been continuing our current podcasting series on doctrines that will get you labeled as a hyper-Calvinist. And these podcasts have been going methodically through each of these doctrines. And, and the reason I'm doing this is because at the end of the day, after we've gone through each one of these podcasts, each one of these doctrines, I want the listener to see that it's not just one or two points of doctrine that there's a disagreement over out there in the theological world. It's basically a big deal, what it is that they call hyper-Calvinism. A very big deal. And in the end, I want folks to see that so-called hyper-Calvinism, it's the truth. It's the gospel. And when people claim to be against so-called hyper-Calvinism, I want our listeners to know that they're basically stating that they're against the gospel, against the truth, and against God. But yeah, we've, we've been going through each of these doctrines methodically. Our, I wanted to show that our position is not whimsical, but it's been carefully examined, and we stand solidly in the truth, that we're not just going along just because. We, we, we've, we've thought these things through. And, and the nature of God, his attributes, his purpose, this is something that has been very much the core of our studies. Okay, we've talked about what is true evangelism, the doctrine of duty faith, the doctrine of common grace, and the so-called free offer, which are doctrines uh, that affect the gospel. But the foundation of our beliefs are found in the very person of God and his will, his purpose. And that is why we have spent so much time talking about his will, not just in salvation, but in his reprobation of individuals, the very nature of his will being unitary, and the extent that his purpose extends to, okay, to all things. The unitary will of God and the absolute predestination of all things are foundational, okay, foundational to answering the question in the title of today's message, which is, drumroll, did God predestinate salvation because of the fall. Think about that one. All right, think. <laughs> That's a question you might not have even heard before. Okay. Okay, and how you answer this question can indeed provoke a charge of hyper-Calvinism from some people. It's kind of stupid, but it's going to provoke the charge. You see, most folks who are sovereign grace believers, or who claim to be sovereign grace believers, look at the election of his, of God's people in Christ is sort of a reaction to the fall of Adam. 
but not not like the free willer would. The the free willer actually believes that Christ's death was an intervention for all of mankind. They believe that the fall of Adam and all of mankind into sin was not something that God wanted or even purposed to happen. And this scheme, if you will, God has handed over his sovereignty to men. And he's made a way for men to save themselves by, by intervening with the cross of Christ. The cross didn't actually save anybody, it just made salvation possible. But the cross and Christ's work on the cross for every single person who ever lived was a reaction to sin in this free willer scheme. And it was an intervention. It was something that God had to do if he was going to have any fellowship with men. And this scheme is obviously, re obviously rejected by all gospel believers. It is, it is rejected by almost all the people that claim to be sovereign grace believers. And this is a scheme that pretty much turns God into simply an observer of, of the things of time. It depicts him as one that is surprised by the things that occur in this world. It is the, it is the, the position, though, however, of most who use the Christian moniker, the Christian name. Typical Sovereign Grace Calvinism, however, views the salvation of the elect as a reaction only, though, in the decrees, and, the, and logically in the decrees. They will still affirm that God purposed the fall, or allowed the fall, if you will, but that election and predestination to salvation were, in fact, a reaction to the, that fall, logically speaking. They would still affirm that all of this happened before the foundation of the world, but it's still seemingly a reaction, even if it is logical and not an actual reaction in time like the free willers would state. And their view is typically known as infralapsarianism. Infra meaning after and lapse meaning fall. Infralapsarians is what they are. In this And in this understanding of God's decrees, in this, uh, this infralapsarian understanding, the decree of election unto salvation logically occurred after the decree to permit Adam to fall into sin. And then there's my position, and I'm sure I'll, the position of a lot of people listening tonight. The, the position that I would affirm is supralapsarianism. Supra meaning before, and of course lapse meaning fall. I believe that the election of people to salvation in Christ and the election of people to damnation occurred logically before the decree for Adam and his elect posterity to fall or lapse into sin. Or in other words, our fall into sin was a necessary consequence of God's decree to elect us to salvation in Christ. Our fall into sin was necessary to bring about our redemption in Christ and subsequently his glory in that redemption. It truly is a beautiful thing, okay, and and that's and my opinion, okay. And, but this view, this this opinion of mine, it's often associated with hyper-Calvinism, or what is called hyper-Calvinism. So you might ask me, how in the world did I ever come to this position? Okay, the order, if you study scripture, you're not going to find a logical order of the decrees of God. It's just not even... It's not even brought up for discussion in the scriptures, the logical order. 
okay? But it's something that I've deducted through reading the scriptures. For me, it's a logical deduction. It just makes sense to me. And but and that is why if if you haven't listened to the last few podcasts on God's will in reprobation, his will of purpose and desire being unitary and his positive predestination of all things, this is not going to make sense to you either. So go back and listen to those those podcasts and then maybe you'll see where I'm coming from. Okay? But so yeah, it's important that you, you understand that. And and this is where we're gonna go. This is kind of advanced stuff here. But it's important and I'll, I'll explain later. But if you believe that God has positively predestined all events for his glory, then there can be no other conclusion, in my opinion. In fact, I'm not even fond of naming this doctrine as superlapsarianism. I'm not fond of the other of calling the other belief infralapsarianism either. And so many people start their studies here and studying the order of the decrees in relation to the decree of the fall, and then they go astray. Okay, We should never start our studies on the order of God's decrees there in relation to the fall of Adam. We, we must have a foundation of God's will and his purpose. We must have an understanding of the scriptures. Because if we don't, we're going to fail miserably in our theology and so, like I said, that's why we've, we spent the last three podcasts dedicated to the study of God's will. We now have a foundation to build upon. So go back and listen to them if you haven't. So let's go ahead and get started. The Westminster Catechism starts off with the question, what is the chief end of man? Okay, I don't know, you've probably, you've, you've probably never heard this if you're not a uh, Presbyterian. And the answer to that, though, is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And they've got some scriptural proofs where they go into, into that. But I want you to think about the first part of that answer. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Have you ever thought about how we are to do that? What can you do to glorify God? Well, you can't do anything in and of yourself. God has glorified himself, and he will continue to be glorified in and of himself. And the chief goal of God's work of redemption in Christ is to bring himself glory. That is his ultimate purpose. John 13, verse 31 through 32 says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. And when you start there, that this was the goal of Christ's redemption, to glorify God, and then you combine this with the belief that God's will is unitary and that he has predestinated all things, including sin, evil, and salvation, well, it's easy to put it all together. It's not a puzzle, but it's laid out for you perfectly, and you can understand how amazing he is. Okay, but if you think this is a puzzle, let me help you out here. And this is an illustration that I've used before regarding the order of God's decrees, and it really is simple. This is something that you can teach to your kids. Yes, you can teach your five-year-old superlapsarianism. 
This this isn't rocket science. It's not it's not like the quantum physics I was talking about earlier. <laughs> this is much simpler. <laughs> but uh, you need to consider what it takes to build something. Let let's say for instance that you desire to build a house. Where would you begin? In God's case, he desired to be glorified in the redemption of an elect people from sin. But you, you're much more simpler minded. You just want a house. So when you build a house, your first purpose to have your first purpose is to have a place in order to live. You're not going to build a house unless you want to live in a house. Okay? Well, you could if you intend on selling it, but for the purposes of this illustration, we're just going to make some assumptions here. And the assumption is you just want to you want a house to live in. So you're going to okay. And uh, so that so that's your assumption. You want you you need a place to live. Likewise, God desires to be glorified in the redemption of sinners, and He wants some people to live with. Okay, He wants a house, particularly redeemed people in Christ. That's what He wants. He wants to live with them, and he wants to be glorified in that. And and he wants to have some some people that are different from the angels that are going to be living with him. He wants uh, some people that are very different from the angels that are going to be living with him. Okay? And so you decide to build a house. God decided to build a house. And after that, you work out all the details in the reverse order that is needed in order to make your house dream a reality. And that's the same. The same is true for God. You you don't choose which bank to finance your building project before you determine you want a house. Nor would you necessarily determine exactly where you're going to put the master bedroom before you decide if you want a ranch or two-story home. Okay, then you'd plan on the means. Who's going to build your house, etc. Your your planning is the reverse of the actual order of the events in time. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. Colossians 1.16 says, For him by it were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And uh, we talked about that on the last podcast. But now we're going to combine that with some logical inference here. Gordon Clark once said, The logical order of any plan is the exact reverse of its temporal execution. Okay, but if you talk to a free lawyer, they'd say the opposite. They would say, God's observing the things that, that happen, and then he plans as he goes. Okay, the superlapsarian says, No, we're going to look at the end and the, re and the, the reverse of the uh, order of the execution is the plan. Okay, and uh, so, so God has determined to be glorified forever and ever through the redemption of sinners in Christ. And because of that, he now has to have sinners in Christ. 
then he has to have the means by which they are made sinners. And if you reverse the order of the events in time, you have the order of, the decree, of God's decrees. It's as simple as that. Okay? And so then you can answer the question in the title of today's message. Did God predestinate salvation because of the fall? No, not at all. Okay? God caused the fall because he wanted to know like people who were redeemed in Christ. Okay? And if there was any reacting to the decrees of God, it was the, that the fall was a reaction to God's election to redemption. Okay? When you think about it that way, it's, it's a totally different ballgame than, than maybe what you've been raised to believe. Okay? And then you're going to find yourself standing with the minority of folks on this topic. And because you're in the minority, you're going to get called some names. You're going to, it comes with the territory. And you better get used to it. But, uh, yeah, the charge of hyper-Calvinism is now going to be leveled at you by some ignorant guy out there. <laughs> okay, so you may be asking yourself, okay, what's your point, Brandon? Why do I care? Why are you even talking about this? Why are you even wasting your time on the order of God's decrees? So you're, you're going to sit here and you're going to waste 30 minutes of my time talking about the order of God's decrees. But... It, and that's a fair question, but let me let me explain. It's a piece of the puzzle, okay? It's a piece to understanding the mysteries of God. And, and once you plug, plug this piece into the jigsaw puzzle of the jumbled doctrines that you hold together in your mind, you'll see that it fits perfectly with all the other things you know about the will of God. And it will help you to see the scriptures even more clearly. It will help you to understand God's purpose in salvation. It will help you to understand and rejoice in the mystery of the cross. That same cross that makes no sense to a dying world. But we can understand it. And the implications to this doctrine, this superlapsarianism, they're huge. Okay? I mean, it's like Donald Trump. It's huge. Okay? Were we elected for salvation before the fall, or were we chosen? For salvation after the fall. Logically, that is. Now, let's take a look at the implication to the answers to that question. The implications. If, if you believe that you were elected after the decree of the fall, well, then is that really election? Were you chosen out of a fallen group of men? Were you selected from a group of fallen men for salvation? To me, that doesn't sound like election. That sounds like selection to me. Okay, And if you boil it all down, if you line up with the infralapsarian viewpoint, in my opinion, it's hard not to believe in selection versus election. Okay, The, the infralapsarian scheme says you were made to be perfect, but you fell in Adam, and then God intervened and selected you out of fallen humanity. You were one of the lucky few. Okay, <laughs> But if you line up with the superlapsarian viewpoint, you believe in election. You were made to be who you are, period. You were created just like the angels were, except you were, you were appointed to be a redeemed sinner instead. That's even, that's even more glorious. God is, is, so, is so magnified in that. It's just amazing. But, and, and, you know, and if you believe in infralapsarian selection, you're most likely to believe in a passive will or a will of desire that is contrary to God's will of purpose. 
God is frustrated by the things of this world. However, if you believe in superlapsarian election, you'll believe that God's will is unitary. You won't, you won't believe God is frustrated, and you, you don't believe God has any desire for the salvation of the, the non-elect. You won't fall for doctrines like the free offer of the gospel or common grace. I don't know of any superlapsarians that go for that. You will also believe in sovereign reprobation, which is that God positively wills the damnation and sufferings of those who are not his people. If you believe in infralapsarian selection, you will more than likely believe that God is bound to honor an eternal and abstract moral law that governs this universe. This is why you might shriek in horror when you hear about the absolute predestination of all things. You might think this makes God the author of sin. This, this type of thinking, though, it's based on the idea that God is bound by some sort of eternal law. However, if you believe in superlapsarian election, you probably won't believe any of that garbage. God is the eternal law. He's not subject to any law that's outside of himself. Whatever he has purposed is good and just because it is God who does all things. He's incapable of sinning because there is no eternal law that he is bound by. If you believe in infralapsarian selection, you will think that the earth prior to Adam's fall into sin was what God wanted for us to have forever and ever. You probably believe that the earth was ruined by Adam's fall into sin, that this was paradise lost. And you'll probably believe that the future new earth is probably just a restoration to that pre-fall earth without the sin. It will be a restoration, if you will, of paradise. Paradise restored. <laughs> okay, But if you believe in superlapsarian election, you will believe that this current earth that we live in was made to give way to a final and eternally perfect creation without sin. Our new earth will not simply be a restoration to the Garden of Eden. Okay, It's going to be amazingly better and perfect. And I'm not going to get into it in this message, but if you believe in infralapsarian selection, you will never come to believe like I do about Adam and how he is not a federal representative of all people. As a superlapsarian, I believe that only the elect experience sinning in the likeness of Adam. Only the elect experience redemption in Christ. Adam is only a picture. He is not the federal substitute. And if you believe in superlapsarian election, you will see that the reprobate are conceived in eternal sin and are made beyond any remote possibility of salvation. And there's a whole podcast about Adam that I made with Brother Mike Smith last year that you can listen to where I go into depth on this. If you believe in infralapsarian selection, you might think that every single person is a potential candidate for salvation in Christ. However, if you believe in superlapsarian election, you'll understand that only the elect have any possibility of salvation. And indeed, their salvation is sure 
and perfect. If you believe in infralapsarian selection, you might view hell as a great tragedy of the universe. That it's a place God reluctantly created to send those who were not saved by his selection in Christ. But if you believe in superlapsarian election, you'll understand that hell exists for God to triumphantly reign over the wicked. That this too was made for God's glory, and it's something he wanted from the very beginning. There is nothing that is tragic about hell. God is glorified in the destruction of the wicked in hell. Reprobation is not a strange and horrible act by our sovereign God. And I'm sure that this list of infralapsarian selection versus superlapsarian election can go on and on and on. Did God predestinate salvation because of the fall? How you answer that question is going to affect a lot of your theology. And your theology will have very practical effects on your life. It will affect how you worship. It's going to affect how you pray. It's going to affect how you communicate to those around you. It's going to affect how you raise your kids. It's going to affect what you think when you're diagnosed with a life-ending disease. It will affect whether you can look around this world and be at peace. Can you watch the news and be at peace? Many, many folks can't. They don't have the peace of knowing the supreme and sovereign Lord has predestinated all things. They look at their neighbor and wonder why they were selected for salvation. <laughs> well, I've got news for them. Folks, we weren't selected. We were elected. We were made for this. We, we were designed to be sinners so that God would be glorified of, in his redemption of us in Christ. So, so to answer your, the, the question, were we elected to salvation after the decree for us to fall in Adam? Well, that's the wrong question to ask. That's not the question we should be asking. The right question to ask is, why did God cause us to fall into sin? It's because we were to be redeemed sinners in Christ. And may he get the glory. May he be honored in all that we say and do. May he have the preeminence in our theology. May he have the preeminence in all things. And that's about all I have for tonight. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support and your encouragement. I, I do love all of you out there. You're, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I only want these messages to be edifying for you and honoring to the Lord. I hope that you all have a great rest of the week, or a great day in the rest of the week, and Lord willing, I will be back again next week for episode 23 of the Pristine Grace podcast. And this will be also, upcoming will be also episode 10 of the Hyper Calvinism is the Truth series. Next Thursday, we're going to attempt to answer the question, have the elect always been saved? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to post the link to the simulation hypothesis video in the Facebook chat. Now, this is a good video explaining some of the things that have been discovered in the realm of quantum physics. Also, 
I want folks to again know that they can contact me for anything. If you have questions, if you, if you need prayer, or you just need someone to talk to, just let me know. I'll, I'll try to be a help to you. May God bless you and keep you. Good night. I'm going to post that link now.